Hey, welcome. This is a literature. (laughs) (laughs) And people have been asking me what the podcast is about. And I think what I've mostly been saying is, um, so Sandy uh, describes a piece of classic literature to me. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, listen. (laughs) (laughs) My best. But not really, actually. Like, my my middle. I don't the answer. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. I don't, though. No, what I do is make the content more relatable for the modern day idiot. Mm. And I feel like... that We could make that a t-shirt. Are you ready for the Great American Novel Sale? What is that? Wait, what are we doing? We're doing Of Mice and Men, a novella by John Steinbeck, published in 1937. Is that the one with the, <laughs> the big black dude and a little dude on a raft? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. <laughs> that's a very, very different book. Why did I think they were the same? Because I said the great American novel, <laughs> probably. But why did I, even before that, when... We were planning. I was like, oh, yeah, obviously, the the book that they reference in Easy A. But then... That's the, the Scarlet no, Letter. No, 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 no. What? The, the, the one that they reference when the, the the guy that she pretends to have sex with who was gay runs away with, like, a oh, guy. Oh, I think that's the, Huckleberry Finn. It was, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I thought it was of mice and men. I'm like, are they calling black people mice? That's not cool. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no. Okay, so I guess I don't know what this one is about then. Yeah, that's exciting. Is there a raft involved? Not a single one. Ah. In fact, not a damn raft. I don't know if I want this now. Buckle in. Hang on. If anyone here is chomping in the background, that's the dog (laughs) with a bone. Not a metaphor. (laughs) The actual dog with the actual bone. Why do you have that? You have dinner. God love him. Is he teething? He's like like a (laughs) hundred. No, he's like 11, so yeah. he's like it 77. It's like a dog 100, yeah. The old twainster. Mackie Mack. This isn't by him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> um, no. Who's this? John, what's his face? John Steinbeck. Has he done something with Grapes and Wrath? He sure did. That's his Grapes most famous novel. Yeah. Why did we do that one? Because we're doing this one instead because i need it mama needs a break and this one was three hours long instead of 20. i mean she reads it she doesn't listen to it <clears throat> listening doesn't it's, hey, that's just <laughs> this is a podcast i have work to do and john steinbeck pulitzer and nobel prize winning author not um, not from this one though the great one right <laughs> yeah it was from the great one but this was one of his um immediately one of his most popular and acclaimed um, pieces of work. So this is probably like second place to Grapes of Wrath. But yeah, didn't some like <clears throat> indie folk band make this their name? Of Mice and Men? Yeah. I thought that was of Monsters and Men. Mice can be monsters. <laughs> Aww, like a piss. be adorable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a plague on the fields. Yeah. <laughs> of Monsters and Men. It's a metaphor. Oh, cheese and whiskers. <laughs> Cheese and whiskers. It's like when people don't want to say Jesus Christ and they say cheese and rice. <laughs> I like cheese and crackers. <laughs> That's the mice. Like <laughs> We've got a theory that Sandy is actually a country dormouse. Yeah. Just like sweeping her front porch with the smallest broom and like collecting dewdrops from like flower petals. Oh my god, and John Steinbeck's like out there with his notebook and his pen like, what should I call the novel? And he's like, all right, so I got man down pat, but like, what's something else? And, and I'm like, just... how you doing, mister? Let me dip my hat. And then he kills you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Is that the book? <laughs> well, look. Oh, no. Spoilers. Yeah. Okay. But then, wait, so, wait, no, you're a country mouse. And I'm a raccoon. We're getting seriously sidetracked here. And I'm a city raccoon. Oh, and you're going to show me the big city. The big smoke. I'm ready. I'm like... Oh my! It's London. It's got to be London, because then I can be like London. No, I don't. Want, how is a raccoon in fucking London? I don't know. Did I? Well, how am I here? <laughs> Immigration. No, it's it's New York because I'm Billy okay. Joel and you're uh. Oliver. Um. So, Milo, Jesus, cheese and crackers, Milo. Cheese and crackers. A lot of activists in America. So, since its publication in 1937. A lot of activists in America have tried over the years to get it censored on grounds of vulgarity. For instance, violence, bad language. Ooh. Um, despite de- so, like, for example, despite depicting, I think the 
African-American experience in the 30s, quite sympathetically. Mm. He still uses the N-word a lot. Well, um, who did it back then? Well, yeah. So it's like, it's a realistic <laughs> well, my Tarantino. Time, but also like, you know, like, should children be reading this kind of things? And then there's another issue that I want to bring out to the end because it's a spoiler. But, oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm excited because I thought it was going to be like... Dusty? Uh, yeah, but it sounds <laughs> um, uh, pulpy. It's not pulpy. Um, you've read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah. More of those kind of vibes. There's a trial. Is there a no. tribulation? <laughs> There's tribulations. Cool boy. Let me tell you. Anyway, but let's let's begin. Shall let's we? dive into it. Steinbeck opens the story on a picturesque scene of a small river in rural Southern California. Oh. And it is idyllic. The sun is golden. The water is shallow and warm. There's a little baby water snake slithering <laughs> around. Yeah. Us. Our baby. Our babies. Our baby. Oh, yeah, I guess we're from the Greek times. Yeah, right? <laughs> our great Our babies, 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 <laughs> babies. No, we're ageless. We're timeless. That's a, We're getting reincarnated with each story. <laughs> There's... <laughs> it's weird that water snakes have come up twice. Yeah. So far. Is that the theme? Maybe it's a classic literature thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like water snakes. <clears throat> Do good. Sorry, there's a fly. Freaked oh. out. <laughs> Earlier, I was at brunch and a wasp was just oh, chasing Oh, that's scary. The wasp Thank you. Scary. No one took me seriously. And I like fell over. Whatever. It's <laughs> not the point. When I was a kid in um, New Jersey, like on summer camp, mom used to give us juice boxes in our little lunch boxes. And they would like leak every single time. And mm. then there would just be clusters of wasps Ew. around the lunch That's box. not a summer camp. That's... <laughs> summer hell. Summer. <laughs> hell camp. <laughs> With some summer. <laughs> hell camp. Semicolon summer. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it's um, Yeah. And I, we, you know, got there's, stung. There's sea snakes. Yeah. There's a... No, no sea snake. Just a water, water snake. It's an important distinction. Okay. So there's a path down to the river where the local boys come down to go swimming. And traveling tramps also use it. So remember, this is set in the 1930s. So there's a lot of tramps. Why are there around. tramps in the 30s? Where are their parents? Off the war or something? No, no, no. So these are people who've lost their jobs. and so oh, the they, Great Depression. And they've lost their homes. Yeah. And they so only... they're on the road often like oh. sneaking onto trains, going from town to town looking for work. Oh. It's depressing. It you might say it's the greatly great. depressing. <laughs> I only know about mm. the Great Depression and like the time and the years and stuff it's set up because I watch Peaky mm. Blinders. Ah, yeah. Well, that was like a spillover effect from I think the um, so cause the the economic catastrophe like started in the U.S. Yeah, and then Wall you Street, know maybe. kind of rippled out. It's like oh, it didn't really affect them. They just had some stuff in New York that went sour. And well, were... it did. It definitely affected some places in Europe. Like Germany was massively affected, which mm. really led to some naughty things. Questionable choices made. <laughs> yeah. um, War. <laughs> I was gonna like try and say something what smart, is like he didn't have any German time. expressionism or something. You know, not related to Nazis. What about um, Ah Schrödinger? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was before then. Was he? I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea when he was alive. Or not alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, Here we are. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, I wanted to say, like, there's a photo, and I think we can put it up on the Instagram. A really famous photo from the 1930s, which, which is like a sign outside of a town. And it says something like, no work here, go somewhere else. Like a town literally moving oh. people on because it's like, we can't even take care of our own here. Um, and people just kept coming in and looking for places. And there was a lot of movement actually towards California from like the Dust Bowl. Yeah, what are people meant to do? Like it's, what, yeah, what are you gonna do? Die. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of people died. But anyway, so so a lot of, what John Steinbeck's known for is, is quite a few of his books are about um, kind of the struggles of, of the American poor during the Great Depression. And he kind of encapsulates that time period um, in American literature for a lot of people. All right. So that's his thing. So that's the economic situation in the USA. Sucks. <laughs> anyway, two white men. Here they are. <laughs> are walking down this, this sort of path from the highway to the riverbed. Um, they're both wearing denim, indicating that they're farm workers. And shapeless black hats. But this was like a period in time where if you weren't wearing a hat, people would assume you'd been in like an accident or a mugging or something. Like everyone wore a hat. Why? Was, would someone steal your hat in a mugging? 
Or like it got knocked off and you're like, help me, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't, didn't have time to put your hair back on. Um, it was like a, it was, it was honestly like seeing someone walk around without shoes. I think it was like, even is women? that person okay? Um, or just men? I think everyone had hats. Mice? It was weirder for <laughs> <laughs> All mice had hats in the 1930s. That's a true fact. That's true. And I they do. still do. <laughs> I know. Otherwise, how would you distinguish them <laughs> from rats? Size. Size, yeah. We learn that the first man, who's small and tough looking, is called George. Then there's Lenny, who's as big as a bear, with hands the size of dinner plates. George and Lenny. I've heard a reference to this at some point in my life. In, in the oeuvre, in the milieu. The in the milieu of the pop culture? Yeah. Okay, George and Lenny. <clears throat> it becomes clear as the two of them talk that Lenny has some sort of developmental disability. Mm. Lenny goes down to drink from the river and he's taking huge gulps and he even puts his head under the water with his hat still on. Oh, don't do that, Lenny. <laughs> George tells him not to do that. <laughs> Lenny, I'm <no>. George! <laughs> oh, no, I knew it. He tells him not to drink so fast as he'll make himself throw up like he did the night before. Lenny. I know. He's also talking about how you should only drink from running water. That's and the pool looks too still, so George refrains from drinking himself. Good. Someone's got to have... <laughs> Someone's got to take care of the stuff. Someone's got to steer the ship. George starts complaining about the bus driver that dropped them off by the side of the highway rather than taking them all the way to the ranch, which is their destination. Why did it drop them? He's like, why did that guy drive? You are George, because that's what he's saying. But seriously, it's like, what is this, an Uber pool? No, drive, drive me up <laughs> at the stage. Lenny asks George to remind him of where they've been and where they're going. Because he has trouble remembering. I'm Lenny in that part. <laughs> George, but you're just both George and Lenny. <laughs> Duality of man. Doing things and then being like, hey, stop doing this. <laughs> that's true. I'll do something. I'm like, why am I? I'm gonna... Oh, you napped it. Sorry. George begins to get impatient with him um, when he notices that Lenny is holding a dead mouse. George is grossed out and it, there's the mouse. Of mouse and man. <laughs> Singular. <laughs> George is grossed out and insists Lenny throw the mouse away, but he begs to be able to keep it. What the fuck? No, throw it away. Lenny loves petting small furry creatures, but he has the tendency to unintentionally break them. Uh, not knowing his own strength. Um, sidebar. Okay, mm. this is going to be awful. But my first pets ever was when I was, I want to say like six or something. Mm -hmm. The Philippines, you can just buy chicks and baby ducklings at the market. Oh, no. And my mom brought me home a chick and a baby duckling. Oh, no. And... But they're probably like malnourished and sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. And like some of them are dyed pink. You know, that whole thing. Oh, God. Anyway, this was like, how old am I now? This is like yeah. 20 years ago. Um... <laughs> You got I, a chick? I killed them. Oh. But not on purpose. I was just squeezing them. I was oh. like, I was Lenny. <laughs> you are Lenny. Because I was just like, you can't. And oh, then, but you were little. And then, yeah. So Man, I. I killed them both. Swear to God, I read like a children's something story, short story or picture book. Literally about that something like a girl, little girl taking a chick home from the market. In that exact same way. Maybe Sounds like just, someone plagiarized my life. A little bit. Or like I had a telepathic connect. Maybe I just like... Maybe I just fucking told you the story already. <laughs> no, because in the story that I heard, like, the chick just died because it was like sick. And, oh. And no, I was like picking them up and dropping them. I don't oh, know why. I was just yeah. like, look at this. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, pretty much what happens with Lenny. Yep. Poor thing. Um, So he insists that he found the mouse dead already, that it wasn't him who killed it because he doesn't want to get in trouble. But he's not realizing... Um, this is part of the reason George is grossed out and insists he gets rid of it. George is like, it's not fresh. Which, like, I took to mean it's possibly carrying disease. Yeah. That kind of thing. I get it. I'm George. Yeah. Jo <laughs> Which one are you, Sam? You gotta, gotta make a choice. Is there a BuzzFeed quiz? Are you... <laughs> <laughs> Can we make oh, one? Oh, God, if there is a... No. We'll search it after. George loses his temper with Lenny and takes the mouse from him, throwing it across the water. Oh. And he warns Lenny that he needs to behave himself when they reach the ranch that they're going to work on. George says he doesn't want any of the kind of trouble they had in Weed. That's the name of the town. How do you spell it? Like, like 420? Weed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's the town they're coming from. Yep. George decides to camp down in the clearing for the night rather than walk all the way to the ranch. It's implied he's not looking forward to it. And he wants to like savor his freedom. And he was like laying on his back looking up the stars. And it's like, oh, last night is a free and unemployed man. <laughs> Kind of thing. 
So he's got three cans of beans in his bag that they can eat for dinner. And he sends Lenny to gather some fuel for a campfire. Where are you gathering fuel from? Well, like sticks and stuff. Oh, okay. Say kindling. But it's not all kindling. Uh, Little sticks fuel. of kindling. Yeah, fuel's is, the is he like siphoning gas <laughs> out of the bus? That it's obviously a miscommunication run. happening here. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take this to couples therapy. Is this not it? Uh, Lenny crosses the stream to to go on his on his way to get fuel, but he finds the mouse again. Oh, and he pockets the mouse again, but George immediately catches on when well, he comes yeah, back, it's all wet. and he takes it away from him again. We get some background on how Lenny's aunt Clara used to give him mice to cuddle, but when he kept accidentally killing them, she gave him a rubber mouse, which he didn't like at all because it wasn't cute and soft. He just needs like a like a stuffed toy, like a little teddy no. bear. George suggests that a rabbit or a puppy or something um, oh, yeah, bigger. a bit tougher might not be so easily broken by Lenny. And then maybe in the future they'll find Lenny something like that. Just get some and Lenny likes that idea. Taxidermied or something. <laughs> Gosh. As they begin their dinner, Lenny mentions that he loves ketchup on his beans. George takes this as like a complaint or like a request and he like loses his temper again. And he starts complaining about how great his life would be if he didn't have Lenny to look after. Why does he have Lenny? Do we get into that? Mm-hmm. He talks about how he'd stay in each job until he earned the stake of $50 and then he'd go into the nearest town on a spree and spend it all at a cat house, which is a brothel. A cat house? Mm-hmm. Oh, pussy. Where the pussy lives. <laughs> 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 Meow. Imagine if it's just like a cat cafe. <laughs> Blowing it all on the chickies. <laughs> cat. That's cute. Um, I think you can also stay there. Like, long term. Like, so it might be like a brothel slash, forward slash hotel kind of thing. I got the impression when he was, like, talking that this is the way a lot of itinerant workers like George and Lenny live. They, like, work on a thing yeah, until the harvest is done or whatever, and they make a little bit of money, and then they go and they blow it. Yeah. And then these are all, like, homeless itinerant workers just kind of going around from job to job. Yeah. Drifters. Yeah. George also complains about how Lenny gets him into trouble, and he mentions again that they were run out of weed. This time elaborating that it was because Lenny, who loves pretty soft things, touched the fabric of a girl's dress. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, I see where this is going. And when she cried out, he got scared, which caused him to hold tighter. And so he is accused of um, assaulting her and they're run out of town by a lynch mob. Lynch mob? Like David? Um, What? David Lynch? Ooh, that's an unfortunate name. Um, I wonder, is there a movie of this? Yeah, there's like two. One from the 30s and one from the 80s. Oh, 80s sounds great. And I think there's even one later than that, like a 90s one, but I'm not sure. All right, we're watching one of them. Yeah. I'd like to watch the 30s one. You can do just that by yourself. It'll be like from the time, though. The time. <laughs> I'm making the Italian, like, kissy hand. Italian chef kiss. <laughs> yeah. Yes, what? so Lenny gets sad at being told off so much, as you do, and offers to leave George alone and go and live in one of the caves on the hill. Oh. <laughs> I know. But, and then no one would ever take his mice away from him. His tone has been described as crafty here. He's doing a little bit of guilt trip <laughs> to George for stealing his mouse. Um, George feels guilty and apologizes to Lenny for being mean. He's like, I'm being mean, aren't I? I'm sorry, Lenny. And then like, I'm not no. going to say sorry to you if that's what you want right now. It's fine. <laughs> I don't want you to say Instead, Lenny asks him to tell again George about how it's going to be. Okay. And George starts waxing lyrical about the little farmhouse they're going to have one day. And there's going to be fruit trees and pigs and chickens and rabbits. And the rabbits are going to be Lenny's particular job, which he's stoked about. It's clear from Lenny's reactions that he's been told this story many times. Yeah, he repeats it when George says they're going to live off the fat of the land. He's like, yeah, live off the fat of the land. What land? Fattened? Live off the fat of the land. So like, oh, okay. you know, it's a phrase. Yeah. As they bed down for the night, George gives Lenny instructions. If they run into any trouble at the ranch, Lenny is to come to this exact clearing and hide in the bushes and wait for George to come find him. George gets Lenny to repeat this to himself. So he's sure to remember it. Cause remember Lenny has trouble remembering things sometimes. I just want to know how, like why George feels like such a responsibility for Lenny. Mm. I'm going to find out, right? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. George and Lenny reach the ranch by about noon the next day. 
They're greeted by John Candy, an aging swamper or handyman. I don't know why the word swamper means handyman. Like a swamper. It's just, it's just one of those things, one of those past things. <laughs> just past things. <laughs> it's like sepia tone. <laughs> just girly things. Just past things. Um, he's only got one hand. How can he be that handy though? No. <laughs> his one hand is super hole? handy. No, no, I think he, it's a, he, they talk about him scratching the stump of his wrist. Oh, yeah. Do we find out how he lost a hand? No. It's stump. just one of those things, you know, this, working on rural properties oh. at the turn of the century. Like, it could have been anything. Everything gets infected. Yeah, and like the machines they use are just not safe, you know, as well. Not so that safe. In the could 30s. have been anything. Um, yeah, they never go into it, but. No ocean, no OHS. No. Back in the 30s. Not a single thing. No foreman. Um, he's also got a half-blind, smelly old sheepdog who's seen better days. Oh. He shows them to the bunkhouse where they're going to be living for the next... Speaking of... few months. Half-blind, smelly old sheepdog. <laughs> Milo's Come here, Milo. So, there are apple boxes nailed to the walls that serve as little shelves for the men's personal belongings. Um, and that's indicative of how much they have. So everything they have can be fit, fit on like two shelves made out of an apple box nailed to the mm. wall. When George finds a can of bed bug powder in his bunk, Uh-oh. he confronts Candy, asking what kind of place is this anyhow? Candy insists that the man who slept in that bunk before George, a blacksmith, was the cleanest man he'd ever met and probably used the lice powder preemptively. Respect. Yeah. Sure. Candy warns the pair that the boss is pretty angry that the pair didn't arrive when they were expected to the previous night. George asks Candy what kind of person the boss is, and Candy says, pretty nice, and he talks about how last Christmas the boss bought his men an entire gallon of whiskey to share between them. Whoa, I know, gallon. that's a lot of whiskey. That's a lot of whiskey. I assume there's like... Like like a barrel? Like a dozen at least like farmhands. a barrel. Yeah, literally. I'm more obsessed with the fact that it's probably in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> like wooden barrel? <laughs> you know, with like a cork stopper. And you're like, it doesn't farm in. And I'm someone like, a like puts a sword in it and they pull out the sword yeah. and it like shoots. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're on a ship. They're on a <laughs> ship. <laughs> they have tankers. Yeah, I'm imagine she is it's Peter Pan. Oh. 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 Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I only like feel like the, we're about to have a fight. <laughs> I only like the raccoon from Pocahontas. I don't like that she chose that no, pasty ass dude over that hot guy with prints. <laughs> Kokum. Yeah, and he was just like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, he's so serious, and I'm like, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> I know. And John Smith is like, la di da, look at my helmet. Like Pocahontas obviously had, hasn't had to date teenagers, otherwise she'd be into that. That's true. So the boss arrives. And immediately berates them both for their late arrival, which George blames on the bus driver. Okay. The boss interrogates them about their previous employment and experience. And George speaks on Lenny's behalf. He, earlier he was like, Lenny, you're not to say a word. Yeah. He's trying to hide Lenny's disability for fear that they'll get moved on from the ranch. So mm. he talks up Lenny's physical strength and the speed of his work. He's like, and he can do anything that you ask him to. his dinner plate hand. <laughs> yeah. And the boss is like, why doesn't he speak for himself? Oh. Lenny accidentally says something and George becomes visibly nervous, which makes the boss suspicious. He's mm-hmm. like, what is this dynamic? What's he's going like, on what do you, what do you, what's up with you guys? But he's already sort of caught on to Lenny's um, disadvantage mm. and he wonders aloud if George keeps him close to exploit him somehow, maybe taking a cut of Lenny's pay, mm. that kind of thing. Um, well, does he? No. Oh. It's friendship. Oh. Wow, that's crazy stuff. I know. George's excuse and the, for like the reason that he sticks with Lenny is that Lenny's his cousin and was kicked in the head by a horse when he was oh. a boy. But he insists again on Lenny's prowess as a grain shucker. And the boss is like, okay. Finally, some backstory. And this signs them to a grain team working under a man called Slim. As soon as the boss is gone, Lenny asks why George told him they were cousins because they're not. God, this book is taking me for a speed. <laughs> and he also remarks on how he wasn't kicked in the head by a horse at all. <laughs> He's um, like, one, we're not cousins. Two, <laughs> what's a horse? He's like, what are you talking about, George? Um, Candy overhears this whole exchange. Oh, fucking hell. George snaps that he's glad they're not related <laughs> um, and tells Candy off for eavesdropping on them. But Candy <laughs> placates them by saying he's not interested in their business, only in minding his own. <laughs> Soon after, another man appears at the door. Oh my god. He is short and he has curly hair. And they learn that his name, at least his nickname among the farm workers, is Curly. Oh. But why? His hair's curly. (laughs) 
He has fancy boots. Oh, good for him. And they learn that he's the boss's son and he wears the fancy boots to like distinguish himself from the other like denim clad workers. He's like <laughs> important. All I'm thinking of is like like fancy like glitter like platform <laughs> 80s <laughs> like go-go boots yeah. <laughs> no like no, cowboy boots it. okay cowboy cow. boots turns out he's an aggressive oh. x-boxing champion with a napoleon complex oh my god when you said x-boxing i know you meant x-boxing but i thought you meant, like, <laughs> the game yeah, yeah that. that's something that's a profession it is now yeah with a napoleon complex he'd probably do that if he was alive today yeah he likes picking on guys who are bigger than him because it's but like, if he loses, because Gandhi explains it, it's like, if he loses, it's not his fault because the guy was bigger than him. And if he wins, it's like, special. <laughs> He's like... Imagine being that insecure. Just yeah, I don't know. Just for one second. We never back. will until we're men. Because it's masculinity is the key. Mm. Fragile masculinity. That's why sometimes, like, a short guy is so attractive if they don't have the Napoleon mm-hmm. complex. Because like, you're like, what kind of magic? <laughs> I know, like, own it, baby. Mm. There was this great... Like Instagram trend hashtag thing going around where it was like tall women, with tall their women boyfriends. with their little short boyfriends, and they were all like Amazonian princesses with their little dudes, and the, they were like so happy. <laughs> They're like, look at my big girlfriend. <laughs> so it was cute. It was really nice. Anyway, this guy is not wholesome at all. Oh no. Um, he notices George speaking for Lenny as well, and he starts demanding that that big guy talk for himself. No. Because he's like he doesn't like big guys. Remember? Oh yeah, true. After he leaves. Candy um, explains about how Curly's naturally bad temper has gotten worse recently since marrying a pretty young woman oh. who um, Candy calls a tart because oh. she comes down and she flirts with the ranch hands all the time. She's probably bored of her bored yeah. husband. She 100% um, is. Now I'm imagining George is... Oh, at first I was imagining George as George Costanza, <laughs> but now I'm more like George is Danny DeVito and Lenny is Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, ladies! Um, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's twins. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Yes. No, no. I'm George is like George. Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. George is like skinny and like wiry though. Anyway. Oh, is he skinny and wiry? I pictured him as more like. Danny DeVito. <laughs> so um, he also tells them about how Curly brags that one of his this is gross, one of his gloves is full of Vaseline to keep his hands soft for his wife. Which hand and why? Ah, uh, the finger and hand. Yeah, the finger and hand. <laughs> I just held up my right hand. <laughs> I, I don't know what I expected I you to like, get from that, but you got it. I was like, do you have a question? <laughs> Ew, full of Vaseline. Yeah. So George is like, ew, gross. Yeah. Everyone is like, ew, gross. Um, Candy leaves to prepare wash basins as the men come are coming in for dinner soon, which I think is like lunch because it's only like noon. And then dinner. So I think supper they call. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Thirties thing. Just thirties things. Just past things. <laughs> just past things. <laughs> George tells Lenny to avoid Curly, immediately sensing trouble on the horizon. He's like, that guy wants to pick a fight with Lenny because mm. he's big. He's trouble. Yeah. Um, George reminds him again of the meeting place by the river. It's like that's where you go if you get in trouble. Curly's wife appears at the door. And it's clear Candy's assessment is accurate. She's heavily made up and wearing red, which we all know is the uniform of the slut. Red. <laughs> is she... This is a little bit sexist, this book. Well, it's 30s. Just past things. <laughs> um, is she hot or is she... Well, um, oh, yeah, they said she's yeah, pretty. She is pretty, but yeah. she's also like... Whore. She knows it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I think for more an hour <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, she's flaunting the goods. She says she's looking for her husband, oh. but she's really there to flirt with Slim, as they all know, who passes, who's passing by outside. This is the guy whose team they've been assigned to. Yeah. So and Slim's we're about to meet then. him. Yeah. Ooh. Slim <laughs> tells her Curly's gone into the house and she heads on her way. Oh. The others were like averting their eyes from her because they're like, she's trouble. But Lenny, yeah. obviously, doesn't have that much presence of mind, doesn't really know what's going on. He's and just like, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> he just stares at her when she's gone. He's like, she's pretty. Oh no. And they're like, don't you dare, honey. Oh, no. Don't you pay any attention to her. George immediately tells him off and tells him to stay away from that bitch. Oh. Lenny's like, why I gotta stay away from everyone? 
So Ooh. George is sensing the danger that they might wind up in a similar situation to weed. weed. Lenny can sense it too, and he starts whining that he wants to leave the ranch, but George reminds him that they need money to buy their little farm. So Slim walks into the bunkhouse now, and he's basically Aragon from Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. <laughs> so Viggo Mortensen, like, still So Viggo Mortensen is, is Jim? Slim. Slim. Slim Jim. He's tall, rugged, and softly spoken. Oh my god, it's literally Aragorn. I know. Oh no. And he's one of the most respected men on the farm on Aragorn, account of yeah. his superior skills in mule driving. Oh my god, it's Aragorn. <laughs> Apart from the mules. Aragorn. He probably could. Aragorn can do anything. Everyone listens when he speaks. It's Clint Eastwood on a film set. Almost like Clint when he was younger could have played him. <gasps> like Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. More like the cowboy ones. Is that not? Oh, he's a cop at Dirty Harry. Isn't yeah, he? and he's like angrier. The, co- the cowboys are a bit more like stoic. Yeah. He talks to Lenny and George a little, and he's tacitly impressed by the way they clearly look out for one another. Oh. He's like, don't see that much nowadays. Another ranch hand called Carlson appears. He's a bit rougher in his manner, and he asks Slim about his dog, who's just given birth to nine puppies. Oh no, those puppies? Yeah. Oh no, does Lenny get one? Slim tells him he had to drown four of the puppies already, as she couldn't feed them all. He had like to, too many. He had to drown. Puppies. He had to drown for okay. the puppies because the because the no fuck out. Aragorn would do this. <laughs> Aragorn would never drown. This four is puppies. the thirties America. Like life is tough whether you're a human Lord or a dog. Lord of the Rings was set in like the ones. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like you're. They didn't have puppies in Lord of the Rings. They had um, Gimli. <laughs> yeah. Carlson tells Slim that they ought to convince Candy to shoot his old dog, um, who Carlson can't stand the smell of, um, and to entice him with a new puppy. Like, the, the dog's old, it's blind, it's suffering. We should get... It, it stinks to high heaven. Yeah. You should shoot it. Give him a new puppy. Yeah, new dog. So they all hear the triangle ring for dinner. I like that it's like a gong, but it's like literally like a triangle. <laughs> and the men start to file out for dinner until it's just George and Lenny left. And Lenny's like, oh my God, George... <laughs> and, George is like, and George is like I'll ask him because obviously Lenny wants one of the puppies more than anything else yeah of course world. before they've left Curtly appears at the door again <sighs> looking for his wife and then rushes off angrily when George tells him she left but not the direction she went claiming that he didn't pay attention he didn't oh it's just looking for each other George tells Lenny that he hates that guy and says he might end up tangling with Curly himself now it's the end of the workday, and Slim and George are walking back to the bunkhouse together. Slim has agreed to give Lenny one of the puppies, and George thanks him for his generosity. Slim calls Lenny crazy, what? but George insists to Slim that while Lenny may be dumb as hell, oh. he's neither crazy nor mean, which is the most important thing. He's, um, he's the guy from um, Green Mile. I feel like Green Mile was inspired by this like a lot. Like, I reckon there's a mind start- in there. Yeah. There's a mind. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon Stephen King read this and was like, mm, I think. <laughs> give me an idea. Yeah, there's a little mouse that performs the tricks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A little circus mouse. Um, Slim remarks on their friendship, saying it's refreshing to see in a world where no one seems to give a damn about nobody. George tells the real story of how they Finally, came to be traveling together to Slim. The They're from the same town. And Lenny's Aunt Clara bestowed her charge of Lenny onto George when she died. So, oh. and they must have been neighbors or something. Like, they knew each other. How old would you say George and Lenny are? Honestly, like, mid-twenties. Really? Yeah, okay. I wouldn't even say older than that. Okay, so God left with... Is that, yeah. him? Is that the whole story? Um, and he just agreed? George admits that at first he tormented Lenny, teasing him and pranking him because it was an easy target. Mm. However, one day he offhandedly told Lenny to jump into a river. And Lenny did. Oh, no. Um, risking his life because he didn't know how to swim. George was able to rescue him, but was shaken by Lenny almost drowning on account of his own callous bullying. And he resolved to take care of Lenny like a brother. Oh. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's kind of, yeah, it's mm. nice, actually. It's like redemption story. Yeah. All right. George begins to explain to Slim what happened in Weed and then catches himself not wanting to like get in trouble again. However, he eventually decides to trust Slim and explain the whole story to him. Lenny comes into the bunkhouse for the night, but he's clearly hiding the puppy under his coat. George tells him off as the puppy's still too young to be kept away from his mother. So Lenny sadly takes the puppy back to the litter. Aww. 
Carlson and Candy get back and Carlson starts bitching about Candy's dog stinking up the bunkhouse. And he starts um, working on Candy and like persuading him that the dog ain't no good to himself or to anybody else. And that the best thing for it would be to be put down. Yeah, and get a new puppy. Mm. Candy is clearly upset and keeps saying things like, oh, I don't know. I've had him too many years to kill him. (laughs) But eventually... Your kid sucks. Kill him. Get a new one. But eventually Slim reluctantly agrees with Carlson that the dog's life is probably so painful that killing it would be a mercy. Oh, yeah. Um, Carlson isn't letting the pressure off and offers to kill the dog himself if Candy Candy can't bring himself to do it. He just really hates the way this dog smells. Oh, I was going to say, he just really wants to kill a dog. (laughs) He should have drowned the puppies then. (laughs) He reveals that he has a Luger. A what type toy? Oh, yeah, like fancy a fancy gun, fancy pistol. Yeah, I only know about German this May. because I watched Band of Brothers. Yeah, they're in World War Two. I know this one guy is just like, I gotta get a Luger for my brother. I'm like, you're gonna die. I think Lugers were like the German pistol. Mm. Um, reluctantly, Candy finally gives into the pressure. After a couple of minutes of silence, they all hear a shot ring out in the distance. Candy, who till now has been lying on his bunk and showing little emotion, turns his face to the wall. Crooks enters the room. What? Is this new? This is a new guy. He's the only black person on the farm. And consequently, he doesn't sleep in the bunkhouse, but by oh. himself in a little room in the stables. Of course. He tells Slim that he's got a pot of warm tar to put on one of the mule's injured hooves. you got to, like, heat up the tar and then you put it on the hoof. I think it, like, seal. It's like stitches, Ooh. I guess, for a horse's foot. I don't really know how it works. Um. But anyway, that's how they, that's how they treat the, the mules. <laughs> Tar. This reminds me of Great Expectations when he waters tar water. Tar water. Maybe that's what the tar's for. Maybe watering they get a donkey. Down, watering down like. <laughs> watering down rum. Yeah. I think it was rum. Or brandy or something. Yeah. It sounds like you said it. I'm just I... here. <laughs> I'm just here. Slim leaves to go deal with this hoof. <laughs> they're gossiping. Here. They're gossiping about What's Curly's wife. Crackers. What's his name? And how her flirty ways will probably make trouble for somebody. Wait, what's his name? The guy. Is it really Crackers? Curly? Or Crooks? Crooks. <laughs> I was like, you know, Crackers. No, he's gone. He's gone with Slim now. They're going to fix yeah. that donkey. Donkey mule? I don't know. I don't know. Tar water. Wit, who's another man on the farm, um, invites George to the local cat house the following night. And talks about how Susie's, there's two cat houses in the town, Susie's and Clara's. And apparently Susie's is better than Clara's. Oh, yeah, there you because go. you can just sit there if you don't feel like, you know. Cavorting. Pit, yeah, exactly. Canoodling. But um, and she has you she have has, to. Well, she, Susie has nicer chairs than Clara. Oh, so. okay. Like us with this new couch. Yeah. We got a new couch. It no more nice. Justin. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there's been a single adjustment. No. Nah. And it's not hot tonight. It's actually quite cold. I know. I have a jumper on. Yeah. That's crazy. George declines, saying oh. that he and Lenny are trying to put together a stake. Oh. Meaning, like, save a significant amount of money. He used to just blow it on holes and now he's <laughs> saving it for his hole. <laughs> Lenny. Lenny. <laughs> um, Carlson comes back and starts soberly cleaning his gun. So you just done. Curly appears looking for his wife again. Oh and uh, it's just like occurring to me how much this is happening. It's honestly, are they like a comedy duo? Just like <laughs> Tom like and Jerry each other? <laughs> no, it's um, in Emperor's New Groove, you know, when Carl yeah, yeah, yeah. is working the kitchen and it's like in with the thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he makes it clear that he's suspicious of Slim, that Slim and, and his wife have got a, a thing going. Well, Slim's pretty hard. She's into Slim. Slim's not be? into I'm her. into Slim. <laughs> They tell, him, the puppy they tell him Slim is... <laughs> Not after that. No. They tell him Slim is in the barn, so he stalks off to the barn with Wit and Carlson following him, hoping to see a fight. <laughs> <laughs> there us, basically. George asks Lenny if he saw Slim in the barn with Curly's wife while he was there with the puppies. Just out of curiosity. He yeah, likes... Just wondering. George likes the gossip. Lenny says no, he didn't. George warns him off Curly's wife again, and women in general. But all Lenny wants is to hear about the farm they're going to have one day. George tells the story for getting Candy's in the room with them. But the story excites Candy's imagination too. And he asks if the place really exists. George is defensive at first. And and he's like, oh, like he like forgot Candy was in the room or something. He's like, oh, well. (laughs) You're here. (laughs) Um, But he he says that he himself may know of a place going for like $600. Pretty reasonable for those days. For any days. <laughs> for now. Yeah. I actually want to look up $600. 1930s USD. 1930s, okay. 600 USD in 
All the others are away. George has gone off with them to town for the night. So Lenny's at a loose end looking for company. Okay. Because he's been told not to pat the dog too much. Yeah, because we'll hurt it. <laughs> Crooks tells him to piss off. Aye. He says if he's not allowed in the white quarters, then he reserves the right to prohibit the whites from entering his own. <laughs> this completely goes over Lenny's head. He doesn't understand it <laughs> He's all. just like, you want to hang out? And he doesn't move. He just says he saw Crooks' light on. Um, finally, Crook relents and says, well, if you're going to be here, you may as well sit down. <laughs> He's like, all right, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Lenny immediately forgets that George told him to keep the farmer secret, and he tells Crooks that Candy is figuring, which I think means, like, budgeting. Yeah. Um, something about the potential rabbits on the farm. Oh, for fuck's sake. Crooks brushes him off, assuming it's, like, a fantasy. Okay. He doesn't take Lenny seriously, <laughs> um, as most people don't. Possibly because of Lenny's perceived disability, um, he feels comfortable talking about his own life. So he's like, he doesn't think Lenny understands anything he says. So he just opens up to him. That's kind of nice. He's like, you're a good guy. Kind of. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, um, he tells Lenny, you're a good guy to talk to. <laughs> so is it not nice? Well, it's it's definitely definitely belittling in a way. Yeah. Assuming Lenny like, doesn't you don't understand. understand exactly. But, and, and Lenny doesn't understand a lot of things but he he does understand other things as well but yeah he's um, just like all right so crooks talks about his own childhood on a chicken farm where he used to play with his white neighbor's kids all the time his family was the only black family for miles and he talks about how he came to realize slowly sort of as he grew up how this separated him from everyone else now as the only black man on the ranch his loneliness is entrenched and resents having to be separated from all the others on the farm and kept by himself in the stable he even talks about how sometimes he'll see something at night and with no one around him, he has no way of knowing if he's imagining things or not. Oh. He can't like, ask, I don't know, he sees an owl or something go by. He's like, he can't be like, did you see that? Like, there's no one <laughs> there. see that out? No. Right. <laughs> I don't think he's hallucinating, but it's, he's like, what if I am? <laughs> like, I guess. Um, as a way of letting out his own fear and anger, he starts to torment Lenny. What? Rude. With the idea that George might not be coming back for him. He's like, what if George just left you? Didn't George just go out on the town or something? Yeah, he did. I thought he was a gunner. I think he's feeling happy. He's, he's feeling less stressed about money. Oh, yeah, that's true. I but forgot. Like, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's, like, spending a lot. He's just going out with the guys. He's just like, <laughs> and he feels comfortable leaving Lenny, you know, with, with Candy. However, after not understanding at first, Lenny becomes angry and demands to know who hurt George. He thinks that yeah. Crooks is telling him something's happened to George. Yeah. He's like, George wouldn't leave me. Unless something bad happened. Yeah. You know, like, who hurt George? He thinks oh, some, no. something's happened. And, and he assumes Crook knows something he's not telling Lenny. And he just doesn't understand that it's made up. Oh, no. Um, so Crooks backs down, assuring him that no one hurt George. Um, but he still derides Lenny's dream about the farm, claiming that every farmhand has the same dream of independence. And no one ever achieves it. I'm just so worried about the things that are going to happen. Because I've got a couple of ideas. <laughs> yeah. He says, just like heaven, everyone, everybody wants a little piece of land. I read plenty of books out here. Nobody ever gets to heaven and nobody ever gets no land. So Candy, who's been looking for Lenny, eventually joins them. And when he sort of walks in the door, he remarks that in all his years at the farm, this is the first time he's ever set foot in Crooks' room. Oh. Crooks makes a thing of everyone barging in on him, but he's plainly stoked to have some company. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> deep down, he's like, Oh, yes. <laughs> he's like, lay out the fan channel. <laughs> and he's like, I'm so angry you guys are here. You want some water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Steinbeck says something about, like, he, it was harder to mask his pleasure with anger or something. Candy is here to tell Lenny what he's figured out about raising rabbits on the farm. And after poo-pooing the idea a bit more, Crooks comes to realize the men are serious. Poo-pooing. <laughs> Did you really Literally, I said poo-pooing. And I wrote it, the full word. <laughs> what? That's a thing. Um, <sighs> Crooks comes to realize the men is serious, especially when Candy also forgets the promise to George and reveals how much money they've already saved oh, up. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> George literally leaves for one night and these two, oh my God. Crooks kind of, um, then embarrassedly asked them if they needed someone to do some gardening on this farm of oh, theirs. everyone's <laughs> getting good. He loved they consider him. So it's like the hope that these two have is kind of like contagious. Yeah. That's it. Hope. It's really lovely, isn't it? Oh, no. Curly's wife appears. Oh, and for the... fuck's sake. Why, where is she coming from? And the atmosphere turns sour. Yeah, because she's just like twirling like her hair. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> boys. 
She says, yet again, that she's looking for Curly. She admits she knows that most of the men went to a brothel, leaving all the weak ones here. That's what she says. Okay, rude. Yeah, no, she's, she's very nasty. Candy and Crooks don't take super kindly to her needling and tell her to leave. She complains that all the men are afraid to talk to her and that she's lonely. And she confesses that she's unhappy in her marriage. Candy tells her that they're not afraid of her. Even if she did get them fired, they'd have a plan to get a farm of their own. So that's the second person they've accidentally spilled the beans to. I cannot wait for George to get home and everything's like on fire. (laughs) And he's just like, Uh, we didn't even go to the brothel with the good chairs. (laughs) I had to sit on like a crusty cum sink couch all night. And I come home to this. Oh, poor George. Poor George. Porge. She laughs at them. She asks, what happened to Curly's hand? And they insist that it got caught in a farm machine, a la the party line. But when she asks Lenny, who she suspects of injuring Curly, how he got the cuts and bruises on his face, he just said he got it caught in a machine, confirming her suspicions that he had something to do with it. Crooks is fed up with all these whites. (laughs) (laughs) And He's like, all right, I've had enough of this. (laughs) Demands that she leave. Or he'll tell the boss she's been acting like a tramp. She asks him if he knows what she could do to him if she wanted to. He sits back down and says nothing. The description is truly heartbreaking of the way he retreats into himself and just stares at the floor. Oh, doing, angry. saying, and looking nothing that could possibly arouse any like anger. Yeah. Um, the implication is clear that she could have him lynched. And that she would. Great. And she could. Man, lynching is so terrifying. Did you read it's that horrible. one about, about that kid? That black kid yeah, that in like the eighties. Yeah, yeah, like not even that long ago. Yeah, it not that crazy. long ago at all. And so I upsetting. looked at the photos of it. I don't know why. I know. No, I always look at crime scene photos, and I always. And then I was it. just like, "This is one of the worst things I have ever seen in my whole yeah. life." I um, one time, like the first time I listened to Billy Holiday's "Strange Fruit." Have you heard that one? No. Um, it's it's a song about lynching. It's it's really haunting and poetic. And it was written by, the lyrics were written by a poet and I think set to music by someone else. But the poet was inspired by this photograph of this like double lynching um, from the South. And I looked at the photograph and it, I think, like it haunts my dreams. (laughs) It's one of the scariest things. There's so many different kinds of violence out in the world and it's one of the most scary. I know. To me, at least. Candy says he hears (laughs) the men returning. Um, which finally gets Mrs. Curly to leave. Finally, enough out of her. But she tells Lenny on the way out that she's glad he beat her husband. Good. All right, here we go. George appears at last and tells Candy off for talking about the farm to other people. God. As they leave, Crooks retracts his offer to work on the farm with them, saying, I don't want to go to no place like that. Why? What's wrong with it? It's not, like, explained deeply. But I think... Just got scared? I don't know. A little. And I think, like... His otherness being reinforced by Curly's wife. Yeah. And, like, maybe it's alienation. Yeah. He doesn't want to, He hoped for a second and then yeah. he didn't. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's the afternoon of the next day. And Lenny is by himself in the barn. He's sitting in the hay and stroking the dead body of his puppy. Oh, no. He's mum. I'm sorry. I was like crying on the bus at this part. Oh no. He's murmuring to it, asking it why it died. And he says, you ain't so little as mice. Oh no. I didn't bounce you hard. He's afraid George will be angry with him and will forbid him from tending the rabbits on the farm. So he tries to cover the puppy with hate to hide him. Oh no. He remembers how George and Slim told him not to handle the puppy too much while it was too young. And he uncovers the puppy, planning to tell George he found it he found it dead instead, but then he realizes George will know he's lying. Yeah. Upset, he yells at the dog for dying, and he throws it across the barn. Oh, no. But he goes and picks it up and brings it back, patting it, saying maybe George won't care since the puppy didn't mean anything to George anyway, like it meant to Lenny. Yeah, you're lightly crying. Yeah. Curly's wife appears at the door to the Oh, barn. my God! Curly, Curly and his wife are literally just like... A, a comedy routine. <laughs> just like every now and then. Yeah, like, he's so Tom and Jerry. <laughs> they're like, have you seen that one? <laughs> oh, God. She hears Lenny talking quietly to the puppy. She comes in and sits next to him, and he hastily buries the puppy under straw again. 
and tells her that he can't talk to her or he'll get in trouble. She says that the others are so occupied playing horseshoes outside that no one will know he's talking to her. She notices the dead puppy and comforts Lenny, saying, the whole country's full of mutts. You know, so maybe he'll get another. Yeah. She tells him how lonely she is and how the cold treatment from the ranch hands um, hurts her. She tells him the story of her life. You know, she's kind of using him in a similar way that Crooks did to kind of like someone who you can just talk at who will just listen. So she tells him the story of how her life, of of her life, how her mother prevented her from joining a traveling show when she was 15, um, which she really wanted to do, but it wasn't um, proper. Was a traveling show like the circus? I think so, but maybe a bit more like cabaret. Oh yeah, okay. You know, vaudeville-ish. That's the vibe I got. Then a few years later, a scout from Hollywood told her he'd make her a movie star, but then he went away to Hollywood and never got back to her. I think it's implied that he said it to like sleep with her and that maybe she did, maybe she didn't. Um, he kind of doesn't go into detail on it, but it seems like she's still in denial and she like thinks that if it weren't for her mother preventing her, yeah, she'd be famous. She she could have made something of herself. Yeah. And instead of like marrying Curly, who's a crueler husband than she expected when she married him, Lenny keeps going on about his rabbits and she eventually comes around to listening to him and she asks him why he's so obsessed with animals. And he tells her about how he loves soft things and she actually starts to relate to him. She talks about how she loves fur and velvet and touching, touching satin and, and velvet. I'm just so worried. And he excitedly agrees, saying his Aunt Clara had given him a piece of velvet once, and she offers to let him touch her hair, which she is proud of for its softness. She takes good care of her hair. Oh, no. And he does. She warns him. <laughs> you can tell where this is going. She warns him not to muss it up, and when he does, she snaps at him, telling him to stop. Which oh, frightens him. No, so he'll hold on tighter. So he holds on tighter. Oh, she no. cries out, which frightens him more, causing him to try to cover her mouth with his giant hands to no. stop the sound. As she struggles, he holds her tighter until no. she finally goes limp, her neck broken. Oh my god. He's so strong. Yeah. Oh no. The barn is still, and Lenny slowly realizes what he's done. He tries to cover her in hay like the puppy, and his main worry is that George will be angry at him and tell him he won't be allowed to tend the rabbits anymore. He gathers up the puppy and remembers what he's meant to do when he's in trouble. Go to the clearing by the river, hide in the bushes, and wait for George. So he runs away. It isn't long before the body is discovered by Candy, who initially thinks Curly's wife is merely sleeping in the barn. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up! (laughs) And he's going to go tell her off until he realizes she's dead. And he knows immediately that it was Lanny. He calls George, who comes and stares at her as his dreams come crashing down around him. Yep. He weakly hopes aloud that maybe Lenny will be treated okay and merely locked up. But Candy knows better and says so. He says, Curly is sure to have him lynched. Yep. People seem to just do that. Yep. (laughs) It's in vogue. Candy asks him quietly if the two of them could possibly still buy the farm. But he can see from George's face that it's impossible. Like for George, like Lenny's part of the farm. Yeah. If Lenny's not a part of the farm, then it's not. It's not happening. Yeah. And I think Kenny, like, as he kind of looks at George, he kind of realizes that. George admits quietly that a part of him knew all along it could never happen. Yeah. Just like you said. It honestly just felt like a, um, like a fairy tale that you tell mm. to a kid to yeah. get them to go to bed. But because Lenny believed it, he'd started to believe it himself. Oh, yeah. George is afraid that the other men will think he had something to do with it, so he asks Candy to let him go before he informs them. Um, George will, like, walk around the house and, like, come back and be like, what? And then, like, I surprise. When George is gone, Candy curses Curly's wife for ruining everything. And he cries. And he goes to tell the other man. A crowd gathers around her body, and George comes in last with his coat buttoned all the way up. As Candy predicted, Curly's plan is to find Lenny and lynch him. Carlson reports that his gun is missing and assumes Lenny must have taken it to protect himself. Curly orders the men to get Crooks' shotgun from the stable, and they all set off to catch Lenny. Oh, no. Back at the beautiful riverbed. It's the late afternoon and a heron stands serenely in the pool, eating a water snake that swims by. Who's eating one? The heron. Like a, like a bird. Oh. So one of us has been eaten. Yeah. One of I our babies, babies, me. babies. One of our babies, 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 babies. It's you because I'm like, hey, don't go over there. And you're like, why not? <laughs> I'm you're George. like, are you wearing sunscreen? I'm like, no. <laughs> That's it. That's how you die. You're like, oh no, I'm getting sunburned. And heron's like, mmm, barbecue. <laughs> Uh, Lenny sneaks out of the brushes and he drinks at the pool, like in the beginning of the story. He's pleased and he's proud of himself that he remembered George's George's instructions to come wait for him there. 
But in his fear, he starts imagining things. The first thing he imagines is his Aunt Clara speaking to him in his own voice, telling him off for not listening to George when he told him to stay away from Curly's wife and getting himself into trouble and for being such a burden on George. Then a giant rabbit takes her place, also speaking to Lenny in his own voice, saying that George will probably beat an abandoned Lenny. At last, George appears, but he's real. Oh, here he is. He's quiet and he's sad, which Lenny doesn't understand because he was expecting George to yell at him. Yeah. Lenny tells him he ought to yell at him, so George tells him off in the usual in the usual way, but he doesn't put any effort or emotion into it. Yeah, it's just like I told you not to do that. Mm-hmm. That's me to you with sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny asks if he ought to go away and live in a cave, like he offered at the beginning of the story, but George tells Lenny to stay, comforting Lenny, who asks him to tell about their farm again. George agrees, and he repeats something he said when he told the story for the first time in the Glade. And this is what he says. Guys like us that work on ranches are the loneliest guys in the world. They got no family. They don't belong no place. With us, it ain't like that. We got a future. We got somebody to talk to that gives a damn about us. We don't have to sit in no bar room blowing our jack just because we got no place else to go. If them other guys gets in jail, they can rot for all anybody gives a damn, but not us. George sits a little behind Lenny and tells him to take off his hat, which he does without question. Oh, no. And George tells him to gaze across the river as George continues the story. He stole the lugers. <laughs> he talks about the fruit trees and vegetables and how they'll have a cow and some chickens. And, of course, the rabbits, which he says Lenny can tend. Of course he can. As the sounds of the lynch mob draw closer, George tells Lenny no one will ever be mean to him again. And Lenny says, let's go now. Let's go to that place now. George agrees, and he raises the luger that he stole from Carson to the back of Lenny's head, making sure Lenny keeps looking across the river. Then he shoots Lenny in the back of the head. Lenny falls to the ground without twitching or making a sound. George tosses away the gun and sits down next to his friend until the other men, drawn to the clearing by the shot, find him. Carson immediately assumes um, a narrative in which Lenny stole the gun, and George wrested it from him, and George makes no argument against it. Only Slim seems to have perceived what really happened. And he tells George, you had to. You had to do it. Yeah, just like you had to drown those bones. Mm. He walks a, a little away from the group with George, while Curly and Carlson wonder what's eating at them two guys. And that's the end of the story. Well, that's sad as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. As soon as there was a dog put down, I was like, well, someone else is going to get put down. Yeah, and it's like that thing with, like... And this is one of the reasons it was controversial, and the thing that I wasn't going to mention at the beginning, because it's a spoiler, but some people say it promotes euthanasia. Well, euthanasia is fine. <laughs> well, yeah. Not yet. So, some people don't like it, but I don't think it, I don't think it is about euthanasia. Like, I don't think he's saying that... It's not. It's not that Lenny was, like, suffering in any way that couldn't be fixed in a way that isn't killing him like it's George just didn't want him to suffer via lynching yeah because that would have been so much worse yeah yeah <laughs> and it, yeah and so like with the thing with Curly's like oh I wish I, I'd done it I know I was the, like Candy, oh. Candy's like I wish I'd killed the dog myself and not like he didn't die at the hands of a stranger like George is like alright but um you but know, it's which... like, but on the other hand it's like it's not the same at all like he's a person I think it's like, I think the main, um, people come to like, the theme is like, how innocent things are permitted to live. Yeah. And that's why the puppies die, and that's why the mice die, and that's why Lenny dies, you know, in this yeah. like, cruel, depression era America. Mice and men indeed. Mm. I wonder what, what do you think it means, the title, of mice and men? What is of mice and men? It's taken from a poem. Oh. Where, and the line in the poem is, um, the best laid plans of mice and men. Um, often go astray. Oh, you know, the poem gives the story a really big, like so much context. Yeah, I know. And then and and the, it's it's called to a mouse. The poem's named is to a mouse. What's it for you? Yeah, but it's it's like from a farmer who accidentally destroyed a mouse's home. Oh. With his plow, I know it's the so plow sad. is a depression. Yeah, Are capitalism. You... John Steinbeck was a massive communist. Yeah, let them go. Mm. Um, but then later he was like pro Vietnam War, so, so it's weird. It's complicated. No, I'm sad for George too. You know, because yeah, like that's his buddy. Like no, yeah. ma- no matter how much he, it was best, like, it's his best friend. Yeah. No matter how much it was to like uh, to take care of him and stuff yeah, like that. Was, like he was friends. 
and they kept each other like hopeful and i feel like that's that's what scared um crooks it was hope it's always hope that scares men mm-hmm. and there's especially um, in a time like that like that like in the great depression it it's just bound to be yeah that's no, it's just sad yeah. but yeah anyway oh, Lenny, oh my god <laughs> yeah well now we're gonna watch that's heavy i feel like <laughs> Yeah, a lot of, like, American classic literature is super heavy. I know, it's just like, oh, fun, no. You know? But, um... It's not whimsical, there's no orphans. Unless they're, you know... Tramps. Not fun orphans, just sad orphans. Sad orphans. No windows to press their grubby faces up against. No, just train tracks to work just on. Just train tracks to work on. With their little fingers. Mm. But now we're gonna watch a movie with some caves and... Yeah. Some blood, some, some blood and gore. Some blood and gore. That'll make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that it honestly will. Yeah, true though. I'm like, I'm sad about this, but. <laughs> ah, the American dream. We should end it on that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the, the American, American dream. We do. So that they do too. <laughs> Please laugh. <laughs> we, no, we don't laugh. We just beg. Laugh. Laughter. Sponsor us. <laughs> just the concept of laughing. Please. Big laughter. Big, <laughs> big pharma. 